cool. All right. Hey. hey Hi. What's up? <laughs> um, so this is our episode zero. Mm-hmm. <laughs> our first episode of the Lit Review, where we're going to be interviewing organizers about books. Um, so here I am, Monica Trinidad and... Paige May. Yeah. And we're going to talk to you all about books. And we're going to um, get started with just sort of talking about why why the lit review why are we doing this podcast right and so um Paige I'm gonna let you go first like why why this podcast and why did you want to sort of embark on this podcast together well let's see so the way I remember it is as happens often I was in a meeting with you and we were talking about strategy and what's needed and what's missing from the work and both of us i know our folks who love books and we nerd out and we love books because of our nerdiness and also because of their importance in the work that we do. And so in this moment at at that meeting, Trump had um, won and was about to be inaugurated. And so we were talking about ways that we could be prepared. Mm -hmm. And already you had thousands of people taking the streets and it was pretty clear that these were folks who hadn't been mobilizing before and hadn't been organizing. And there's always... It's, for me, it's always felt like there's a crisis of not having enough mass political education, but I remember really feeling it in that moment and kind of just talking out loud about how wouldn't it be cool if we had some kind of podcast that just talked about the books because there's I was I remember specifically Black Reconstruction. How I was mm-hmm. like, dang, yeah. I've had that book for like two years and I still have not read it. I wish I could just get the, the Spark Notes, the right. Cliff Notes version of it. Exactly. And you were there, right. and you were like, yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Here we are. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. What was it for you? What? Yeah, I think I definitely have always wanted to experiment with creating podcasts, and I've been making zines for several years, and I know that there was talk about creating a, like a zine about Black Reconstruction, right? Because I was like, there's no way I'm going to read that entire book right now. I have so many things to do. Um, that book just seems impossible to me. And I also, to like go way back to even like childhood, like I just didn't grow up with books. Like mm-hmm. Books were not... Books were sort of like this luxury or like you do it for pleasure, right? It, and, and there was no time for it. Um, or you you had to read books in order to like pass, like, right? You did the very minimum in order to pass your classes. Um, so books were never, I was never around books. Um, and I think that because I would shy away from them, I think that that also led me to shy away from um, reading them even more because I just didn't have the sort of, um, the accessibility to this sort of, literacy I guess like and I just didn't have I just I and I got really frustrated with not being able to like get through a book Mm -hmm. right and so um you know fast forward to now as an organizer who's been doing work for about 10 years I I I feel like I didn't get a lot of sort of like movement history and like organizing like strategy and tactics like I I just really need to (laughs) learn a lot and Mm -hmm. I don't have time and so the idea of doing this podcast was really exciting for me um as just like making you know political education accessible um and it's just a fun way to talk about books because we're nerds <laughs> like yes nerd out central might as well record our conversation might as well yes. we talk about it so yes. yeah um so maybe i guess we can also go into a little bit about you like who are you like i know everybody knows you but like who <laughs> But, like, yeah, who are you, what do you do, and why, which is something that we will ask every guest on our show is, like, who are you, what do you do, and why? Right. Uh, What do I do and why? Okay, so I am a black queer woman um, from, born and raised in rural Vermont, and I moved to Chicago uh, about six and a half years ago now. And I um, 
moved here originally doing work around agriculture and food and got radicalized by the community that I was really lucky to, to find and grow into. And I started organizing around prisons and, um, and when uh, by the time Trayvon Martin was killed and Ferguson started uh, the uprising, I was a part of an effort called We Charge Genocide, which was in response to the murder of Dominique Damo Franklin Jr., who was killed in 2014 by the Chicago Police Department. And I was friends with some of his friends. And so that that experience of, of working in this larger um, sort of informal coalition of many organizers from across the city working around policing and, and um, addressing police violence against young people uh, really taught me a lot about organizing. And from that experience, I learned enough to uh, help start up a collective called Asada's Daughters, which yeah, which I love. <laughs> it's my spot. And, um, and we are this collective of, of black women and girls um, who who organize in the spirit of Asada Shakur um, and try to carry out her legacy and, and organize in her tradition. And so we offer political education programming to young black girls. Um, right now we have about 50 folks in our two programs. And then we also have a, a, a garden in Washington Park, um, a family program, um, and are always looking for ways to continue growing. Um, and uh, yeah, so that that's a bit of what I do. Just a little um, bit. Know, no big deal. Yeah. I, teach little uh fifth yeah fifth through eighth grade uh social studies and um yeah I really love uh working with with black children um and I and I'm hyper aware every day of how inaccessible so much of um the 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 things that I'm reading and things that I'm thinking about can be Mm -hmm. um and given that the school system that's Mm -hmm. here in the city and and all the various things, right, and and the the, the expensive books and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's me. And I met you through Recharge, but yeah. you do a lot more. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm uh, Monica, born and raised in Chicago, um, on the southeast side, um, not the lake. There's actually a neighborhood there which nobody ever knows about. Mm-hmm. Everyone's like, "What? There's there's nothing over there." Um, and yeah, I started organizing in college, um, doing a lot of anti-military recruitment on campus. Um, and just like um, activism um, against the war in Iraq. Um, what I'm doing right now, I, I think the work that I do centers around utilizing personal narrative and um, creativity and imagination in order to, as a catalyst for social change and, and this sort of like collective healing. Um, so I co-founded uh, Brown and Proud Press, um, which is a writing collective of people of color um, in Chicago. Um, we started in about 2012, and we've created about five, six zines, um, uh, mostly around struggles around identity, self-care, uh, bodies. Um, and then our most recent zine was on challenging anti-blackness and Latinx communities. And yeah, and so the most recent thing that I'm working on is uh, For the People Artist Collective, um, and we are a radical squad of black artists and artists of color in Chicago, and we create um, artwork that um, uplifts uh, struggle and resistance and survival mm-hmm. um, in all of our communities that we're a part of. And we just want to uplift all the different struggles that are happening in our city, um, especially struggles that are being led by young people of color, um, young black queer femmes. Um, yeah, and so we just anybody at the margins of the margins, we want to like uplift their struggles. Um, and we've existed for about a year. 
We've created two coloring books, two radical coloring books that have, um, yeah. We use them in the side of the <laughs> Um, yeah, and they're from 2015 and 2016, and they um, uplift about 20 different actions that have happened in both of those years, um, ranging from, like Paige said, the We Charge Genocide trip to the United Nations, uplifted the Diet Hunger Strike, it uplifted um, the Fight for a Trauma Center, um, Reparations Now, um, yeah, and it really was just a, a beautiful collaboration with the Chicago Child Care Collective Um and just figuring out how we can make this movement history accessible to young people. Um, and, and, you know, having this work created by people that were either part of the action or um, affected by sort of like the, the action that was taking place. Um, because we want to center the fact that people that are most directly impacted not only should be leading the, the movements that we're part of, but should also be creating the artwork um, for the movements that we're a part of, right? Because um, self-representation matters. Um, so that's sort of what I'm working on right now. Oh, and I'm also part of the People's Response Team, um, which is a rapid response network. Um, we partner with Black Lives Matter Chicago, and we do um, rapid response work in the city to fatal police shootings. We're just doing a lot of um, trainings right now around cop watching, how you can utilize cop watching as bystander intervention, right? Cop watching doesn't just have to be filming with your camera, right? It can be just being there physically and also um, long-term support work for families that have been affected. So that's sort of what I'm doing right now um, besides my two other jobs. <laughs> I kind of, I, you made me think about, um, I feel like I should name this. So when I first started getting really serious about organizing, uh, I... So I, I think it, that books are important because they help us contextualize our own experiences and, and, and connect our, our, um, our individual experiences with the larger structures mm -hmm. of oppression mm -hmm. and, and all the things that, and, and all the things that we experience, right? So it's not to say that because you haven't read a book, you don't know anything, but that I do believe in books. And mm -hmm. I think that they help us understand and name and articulate and create shared language around the things that affect us, mm -hmm. around the, the nature of our oppressions, mm -hmm. and around the strategies and the histories of, of struggle, mm -hmm. right? And what has been effective and why and how mm -hmm. things have been changed. Mm -hmm. In this podcast, one of the things I do hope for is that we take some of those really dense, jargon-filled academic books, right, and help make them more accessible mm -hmm. um, and take out from folks that have read them mm -hmm. and understand them and are trained in that discipline and make it as whatever is most useful about it, make that clear and make mm -hmm. that plain. Yeah. Uh, so that's one of my goals. I don't yeah. know what else you are hoping yeah, for. Yeah, I totally, I totally agree. And I'm, I, I think the one of the goals that I'm really hoping for is that, you know, when we started talking about this podcast, we were talking about how we were in this moment of urgency, right? Mm -hmm. Like that word was just being thrown around a lot, which it makes sense because it was a terrifying moment, right? Mm -hmm. For a lot of us, we're in shock. Um, and I think that there was still this sort of like, well, what do we do? What do we change? What do we, how do we, you know, a lot of mm -hmm. re-strategizing and reevaluating what we're doing. Um, but, but in this very like heightened sense. And I think that what, what I'm hoping for is that we sort of just like, remain grounded in our work that we're doing because what we're doing is working right or else we wouldn't really see this sort of oppression like that's what I feel yeah. like I feel like this is a direct response to the work and to the community community building that we've been doing um and so um when I think about this podcast I think about it as just like a, a moment to sort of stay on track um keep like to keep learning about our movement histories mm -hmm. and keep learning about what has happened before 
like the book, one of the books that I'm reading right now is the, um, this nonviolent stuff will get you killed. Um, it's how guns made the civil rights movement possible by mm-hmm. Charles Cobb Jr. Um, he was a SNCC field secretary. I just think it's really interesting because they're talking a lot about self-defense against white supremacist terrorists in this moment where they're organizing in their communities. And I'm like, this is the same shit that's happening right now. Like people are getting attacked by white supremacists on the daily. And like, you know, and we're having all these conversations about like what nonviolence and maintaining this nonviolent movement. Right. And it's like, well, what does that mean? And like, what does nonviolence mean to you? And what does it mean to, to um, be in an armed resistance? And what does it mean? What does self-defense mean? And we get so much um, pushback against it in this moment. Um, but in reality, it's not that far off. Like yeah. it's it's a realistic thing when people's lives are being um, threatened right now. So, yeah. So I just I guess long story short, I just really want to make sure that we're we're revisiting what has happened um, and utilizing that knowledge to to inform the work that we're doing right now. Yeah. So for, this is a perfect example because this is a book that has been on my list. For a very long time, I read uh, Negroes with Guns, which mm. talks about a similar thing, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's one of the memoir, uh, and I I loved it, right? So this is yeah. It, it, what else? What's a highlight of yeah, the yeah, yeah, totally. spirit of this podcast? Yeah. So one of the quotes by um, Worth Long, who is uh, was another SNCC field secretary, is uh, now you can pray with them or pray for them, but if they kill you in the meantime, you are not going to be an effective organizer. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah, that's all you, yeah, yep. that's you it go. right there. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I was saying before, like in the 1960s, like white supremacist terrorists were just like terrorizing um, black people in the South um, in Mississippi while they were trying to organize. And, and you know, you, you saw it being totally ignored by the federal government. Um, you saw local state governments totally supporting the violence. Um, and so a lot of um, NA, NAACP leaders were traveling armed. Because uh, they were in constant danger of being attacked, right? And so, just just reading that piece alone was like, this is this is now, this is twenty seventeen, right? It's the same stuff. Because I feel like every year I see on Facebook at least at least once a year people arguing massively about you know violence and like breaking windows as violence, right? And it's like you're gonna get mad about broken windows at a protest. Why aren't you getting this mad when black people are killed by police, right? Mm-hmm. And like, what does violence mean to you? And what you know? And so I think that. Um, I think that reading books like these will better equip me to like handle those conversations yeah. and, and have some sort of information to give back. Yeah. Are you, what are you reading right now? Um, goodness. Okay. So I, the book that you just made me think of is over on another shelf, but, um, let's see. So I am on a fiction, uh, track right now. I, I'm the book I'm most, uh, actively reading is actually Lilith Brood, which is by Octavia Butler, mm. and it's a series of mm-hmm. it's of three fictions. She's a sci-fi writer, a black sci-fi writer. Um, I really love her, and I um, this book, th- this series rather, is making me think. So it's 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 set in the future when Earth has destroyed itself, and there's some kind of atomic war. And the few people who survive are kidnapped or rescued by uh, aliens. Mm. And they wake up and they're on board this ship. And the first book is all about how um, they are coming to terms with that, right? And it really questions humanness. It questions human nature. um, It questions 
Uh, well, yeah. So and 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 then, but what's interesting about the aliens is that they are trying to save themselves and humans mm. through um, through a a gene trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, the book really explores themes of what is humanity and what is a human, and also questions of sexuality and queerness. And there's a, the the protagonists of all of her books are black women. And so she is tasked with training up the future humans that will recolonize Earth, um, but will also be the first parents of this new hybrid human-alien species. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'm now in the second book where they've they've made it to Earth, but uh, Lilith actually was never able to to stay with the. Um, the first group that went down to mm. Earth. So I won't say much more than that. But anyway, mm. so I, I, I like it. It's good. It's, yeah. it's, um, it's, I, I, the last book I read was Parable of the Sower and Parable of the Talents, actually because of this podcast. Mm. And that was really intense for me. Yeah. And I haven't recovered from it yet. Um, I'm also reading, let's see, I'm reading The Underground Railroad with, uh, by William Still, which is a collection of testimonies and firsthand accounts that he collected. He was, he's known as the, sort of the father of the Underground Railroad. Um, and he, was directly involved in helping over 800, at least 800 people make it through, uh, make it through fugitivity, escaping from plantations up to the north. Mm-hmm. And he was one of the few people that actually wrote this down because that was, of course, very dangerous. Because mm-hmm. if anything was caught, then you were, it was clear that you were participating in what was considered to be extremely illegal. And if you were black, like he was, you could we would be killed, right? Mm-hmm. And so he, but he had, the, the actual book is something like 800 pages long, and this is a condensed version. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and so this, I really appreciate it. Uh, it, it helps, I think, the, re- the book that I wanted to grab blends with this really well because it, it talks about how, I think there's, like when I think about how Harriet Tubman gets talked about, and one of the things that often gets lifted up is that she carried a rifle, which is really dope, right, mm-hmm. and, and significant. Mm-hmm. But that was actually like a, not super unusual right Mm -hmm. uh and and it it was necessary and to to think that it wouldn't take that (laughs) in the face of slavery and the repression of slave uh, of of folks who might run away and try Mm -hmm. to to defy slavery um is is to misunderstand how intense the system was Mm -hmm. um and so you have and and also just like the tremendous violence that was done when you have so when you look at the number of people that would escape on any given year versus the number of people that were bought and kidnapped into slavery or born into slavery on any given year it's quite clear that it wasn't actually about we're going to we're not going to have enough enslaved peoples to do all the labor right uh but it's helping me understand the importance of of not not necessarily our demand or our our tactic but just what is the the, the threat that we pose, right? Mm. And the response to that threat. Um, the, that, that the status quo will respond to the threat, not the demand. Mm. Um, and and that's really interesting to me. Yeah. Uh, and, and the Underground Railroad, I think, is really relevant in this moment where oh, we're yeah. talking about mass hype, you know, increasing incarceration and deportations mm-hmm. and evictions and all kinds of things where people are going to need uh, really intense personal networks of safety and care and housing mm-hmm, definitely yeah. Yeah. so those are some of the things i'm reading nice that's <laughs> awesome yeah so i think i think we have to have our disclaimer though right yeah uh, totally we are really hype about this mm-hmm. we're excited we have a uh we're, we've already interviewed a bunch of really dope people mm-hmm. who have a lot of really brilliant things to say yes. about these books but we're not trying to say that like 
we're, we have all the answers about right. anything, or even right. that we're giving the perfect ex- explanation of a book. Right. As right. Well, yeah. Yeah, and it's not going to be, like, people are going to mess up. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, and I think that that's just part of the learning process, and so I think just making sure that we're giving people that we're go- going into this with a with an open mind that this is like an um a space of learning um and so yeah i think that that's just really something to, to pay attention to for sure yeah. um uh, we have a you know we have our own list of books we've asked a lot of our friends mm-hmm. and co-organizers about what books would you want to hear mm-hmm. and and many of these we haven't read and we're yeah. not going yeah. we're like i think what's really important to me is that folks understand we don't have like a set of answers that we're trying to bring people towards necessarily mm-hmm. we are uh learners in this process as well yeah um and with that comes all of the mistakes and the growing and, and unlearning um that that we we do this work for that's what organizing is right right, right. um yeah and so that feels important to name definitely. because there will there will be a thing <laughs> definitely there will be a thing for sure and um yeah and I also just want to name like you know to make this podcast possible like that like folks like Bettina and Dominique from Asada's Daughters also helped us like lay the foundation mm-hmm. to make this podcast happen to get it just get it going yep. um so definitely want to like shout out to them um for sure and uh yeah and i'm really excited about we like Paige said we've interviewed several people already um to get our podcast going um we're going to be talking about black reconstruction um i've got the light of freedom the political processes <laughs> of black insurgency there you I think go. is what it was called that's another one um big organizing and rules for revolutionary see we don't yeah. need, i don't even remember yeah, the exact titles yeah really long titles um, but really awesome organizers mm-hmm. that are going to be talking about mm-hmm. it um, and making that knowledge accessible. Yeah. <laughs> as best as we can. As best as we can, exactly. But not perfect and not complete. You yes. should also still read. Yes, keep reading. <laughs> keep, keep reading. reading. Hashtag Miriam taught me. Yeah. So thank you for listening, and uh, we're going to close it out now, um, and we hope that you'll listen to our very first episode um, right after this, which is I've Got the Light of Freedom. Um, we're interviewing Tess Razor from Asada's Daughters and Quinn Rollins, who does all the organizing in Chicago. So um, yeah, stay tuned and thanks for listening.